As you look at this very long gospel, you can sit back and say to yourself, there are 17 maybe more homilies you can do with all of that content. And uh, I was sitting back this week and probably most of the priests wondering which parts to pick out. But I think there is a constant thread and I want to point out that thread and tell us the bottom line and the end point of the homily now. At the end of it all, when you push away all the debris and all the, the garnish and everything else from our sight, the end heart of the, the, the homily and the gospel really is that Jesus desires this one-on-one relationship to capture our hearts. He loves us and he wants us. He wants us. And there's a process to get to that because of our own humanity, limitations, what have you. So I want to look at a little bit about this process of coming to God. And we're going to look at the beginning. Because things were good in the beginning. The beginning when God made man and woman. And there was a free and total and uninhibited access between man and God. It was a chillin', easygoing, no need to go to a church to talk to God. He was everywhere. Well, that was a really great relationship. And I'm not going to get into the full, 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 full details of all the history of Israel. But we're going to skim through it like a rock skipping in the lake. First, you know, the, the fruit was eaten. The disobedience took place. And that relationship with God was changed. There were rules introduced. After that, during the time of Noah, another relationship modification took place. After that, during the time of Abraham, circumcision. All these other rules came in. To the time of Moses, the rule was codified into the Ten Commandments. And then they sinned again. The people of Israel sinned again. And we had to have a Deuteronomos, a second law, the the book of Deuteronomy. Which is like where you get the weirdest rules. Like, don't eat this kind of food. you got to wash your hands this way. You know, this, that, and the other ritualistic laws. And extreme detail. So what happens when you have a, a relationship and there's a lot of rules? It's a bad relationship. If I have to tell my friend, for example, Hey, I'm going to tell you something personal, but you can't tell anyone. If I have to say that, there's already an issue. Because I had to limit that, like that type of friendship by this rule. There's, there's already something imperfect going on there. For us, we want to have an uninhibited relationship with the Lord. I was talking recently with somebody about this, and I talked about the different stages of the spiritual life, and they said, I've never heard this before. And in my mind, I'm like, this is kind of basic stuff. And I told them that. And they said, well, I've never heard you talk about it. <laughs> I've never heard a priest talk about it. So I said, good point. So I'm going to talk about it. And the, and the tradition of the spirituality in the Eastern churches and the Western churches, it's a pretty simple agreement that there's three stages in the spiritual life. And we want to get to the last stage to have that great relationship with God. Okay, so we're going to talk about that for a moment. First off, if you don't even have a relationship at all, if you're not doing what Jesus said in this gospel, the first thing he says in his public ministry, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. That's the first thing Jesus says in his public ministry. If we're not even doing that, we're not in any stage of the spiritual life, period. If you're not even wanting to change your life, if you just come to church because it's the typical thing to do, it's a traditional thing, you feel like you're a good person, you don't need to change anything, you don't need to push yourself, then you can just get out of here and go to the restaurant down the street and order food and I don't want to have what you're eating. Because you're not in. You're out. But the first stage comes after the desire to repent. When you want to step into that life of holiness and grace. And you know you're in this stage called the purgative 
stage, purgative, like purgatory. It's a kind of needs some purification, just like purgatory prepares us. You know you're in that stage if you find yourself constantly falling into mortal sin, if you can't even find yourself going consistently here and there months, uh, at least a month, without breaking mortal sin and a continual habit like that, then you know you're kind of stuck in this stage. If prayer is a big burden for you, if you, can't, if you have to drag your feet or drag your eyes off of your phone to start praying, you know, you're, you're in that stage. Most people, and I don't mean 51%, most people are probably in that stage, by far. The second stage is called the uni- uh, excuse me, the illuminative stage. Illuminative, because you start to get enlightened. You're starting to realize there's more to life. For example, if you looked at somebody who's good looking and you would have been tempted to lust, instead you see this is a child of God. If I put down a bar of gold here, instead of wanting to salivate over that, you would say that can be used to build the kingdom of heaven. And that's when Jesus is like really truly saying to the disciples, follow me, follow me. Leave some things behind. I have some stuff, more stuff to teach you, but follow me. And you start to follow, you start to break off from that moral sin. You start to still struggle with venial sins here and there, but you're getting an active prayer life. This leads us to the third stage, which we see when Jesus is talking about the Beatitudes. If you're truly living the Beatitudes, a lot of people suffer. Jesus doesn't say, if you suffer, Blessed are you. He says, if you suffer for the sake of the kingdom, if you suffer insults falsely on my account. If you're truly embodying that, the person in this stage called the unitive stage, you're in union with God. The very famous image is like when you take some iron, you put it in a fire, it's so heated, it has that red glow, it has the same qualities as fire, but still iron. In the same way, You are so encapsulated by God. You're still there. It's you. But people see Jesus. People see Jesus in you. These are the saints. Okay, these are the saints. They've achieved this. When they suffer unjustly and they're like, it's another Tuesday for them. You know? They're okay with offering it to God. Just a little bit of information for you. Only the people in the third stage can enter heaven. So we're all, most of us, I'm in trouble. (laughs) We're in trouble. No, we have purgatory for that. Because the book of Revelation says nothing unholy can enter heaven. Now, I don't want to say all this information. I know it's a little bit more of an instructional homily than it is like a, you know, uh, inspirational. But it's good for us to understand, to really, not like, not take this intellectually, but take it formatively in our hearts. To say, where am I at, Lord? What do I need to do? Where is the conversion needed? What do I need to purify? What do I need to strip away from my life? What cords do I need to cut off? Because you, you and I know, I know I'm going to say this very assumingly, and I know it's true. You and I know, ain't none of us going to be truly happy unless we get to that third stage. That's a fact. But I just want us to consider, you know, what it means to be the light of the world, the salt of the earth, when truly you're speaking and spreading uh, the presence of Christ, the grace of Christ, you're an uninhibited channel for the Lord to work through you. We'll just take that consideration today. Ask ourselves where we fall, where we land in these different stages, and what we need to do about making our way uh, to true holiness uh, so that we can conform ourselves to the heart of Christ, not because of any rules or what have you, uh, but because we truly love Him and He loves us and desires us. Amen.